Hi, I'm Jimmy Correa, and thank you for listening to Conversations Between Addicts. Some of the most meaningful conversations I've had with people outside of my family were with people that had been where I'd been and had felt what I'd felt. It was raw, honest conversations that came after a 12-step meeting where buckets of tears were shed, or during the week when I called a friend because I needed help sorting through the mess in my head. They were the conversations where I wasn't trying to impress anyone, and I knew that they didn't judge me for all the stupid things that I'd done. This is what Conversations Between Addicts is about. I hope that as you listen, you will be inspired with hope for a brighter future and open up to someone that you can trust in full honesty. This is not a recovery program or any kind of replacement for professional help. As difficult as it may be, recovery really begins when you get real, fully honest with yourself and God. I urge you, if your life is being overtaken with addiction, get help. Talk with a family member, church leader, or colleague that you can trust. Go to a therapist or counselor. Get the help that you need. Real recovery from addiction doesn't happen alone in isolation. I know you can be free and feel the full joy that comes with that freedom. Most of all, I want you to know that you're not alone in this. We really are all together. So reach out, speak up, and let's help each other out so that we can enjoy that, that joy and freedom that comes from recovery from addiction. Welcome back. This is part two of our conversation with Karen Broadhead, a mother who knows. So, okay, I've got a, I've got a question brewing in my mind now. And I, I love this principle of, you know, uh, uh, seeing, seeing that sometimes as parents we get in the way of our kids of, of uh, trying, trying, to, trying to do stuff for them when we need to let go and let the Lord take over. Mm-hmm. So how does that look the similar and how does that look different between uh, a husband and wife? Mm-hmm. Some of the things you're saying are things that I've heard in you know, support groups about uh, you know, uh, wives you know, policing their husbands, things like that. One more, you, you, know, you said one more report, one more thing like that. How, how does that getting out of the way how does that look similar for a, for a wife, and, and how does that look different? Well, uh, first you have to understand it's a whole different perspective. That the, uh, as a mother, you feel like you're, you know, I think I because I've dealt with betrayal trauma, and because I've I know lots of women who who live who are living there and and figuring all that out and fighting the good fight with their husband and they're trying to uh yeah just learn and let god do their do his work with them i think that it's important to understand that with a mother you uh, as a wife you feel responsible in a i'm not enough kind of way or um i should have you know done it different you know not done that or what am I not doing and what can I do different or you know how can I police this and make sure that this pain doesn't keep happening to me and protect myself as a mother you have this feeling of betrayal but it's a betrayal of 
who you thought your child was, especially when you think everything about them is like, right, amazing, noble, cool in every way. You can see them becoming that celestial, celestial oriented man. You know, he's just so cool. You just see it. He's growing. And then all of a sudden this, you realize what's really going on and how they're fallen into that addict brain of compartmentalizing. Like I, I am this guy right here. And I do have all those strengths and those capabilities. And that's how I go throughout the day. But then I have this issue. And it's, it's that thing that's just, I, it's what I deal with. It's what I, what I fight. And uh, so I think with women who are wives and women who are mothers, the difference is uh, the... The policing of a mother, you feel this great responsibility to save, protect, defend. Uh, your mother bear chemistry comes out. You just feel like you're not taking my cub. You're not, you're not going to make me believe that this little guy is my enemy. You know, that my, and uh, so I think the policing and the helping, it becomes like God expects me to do that. God requires that of me because I have this stewardship over this child. And with a wife, I think it's a little different because you, you're dealing with a personal affront to who you are as a woman and how that affects the intimacy of your relationship and all the heart that you've given to someone and how that affects you. Um, and with a mother, you're dealing with just, you know, there's a bond there with your child and it's intimate as well. But when you find out something like this is going on, one of the biggest shame points mothers feel is I hate my son right now. I don't like my child. I'm mad at him. I can't believe he would do this to me. After all I've done, after all my work, after all I've taught him, how could he be doing that? So there's that kind of betrayal going on. And so mothers have to confront that and just say, it is what it is. You got you to gotta feel that. You got to feel that and you have to... It's healthy for your son to understand that it's not him that you are upset with. It's the behavior and how that's affected your life and your, your concern behind it. What, what, what this could do to your future. And because you're a woman, especially if you're a woman who's dealt with betrayal trauma, whoa, your fear goes crazy because you think, I do not want you to become that man that does mm. this thing to women. So that's another motive. Mothers feel this huge motive of, I will not let you hurt another woman. Mm. I'm not going to let you be that guy. So, so that's wow. a little bit different there. Yeah, I can see. I can see that a little bit clearly now that that's, I mean, it's obvious there's there's differences, and um, just as you were talking, it just kind of felt like, hey, there's 
there's a common theme that Satan is trying to break up families. Mm. And, um, you know, it, it's whether it be the mother trying to, you know, deal with that shame of how could my kid do this or, or the wife dealing with the betrayal trauma of how could he do this to me or how could he do this to our family or, or whatever it may be. Um, gosh, that's just, I can, I can feel what a difficult place that would be. Yeah. Um, but I, I love the way um, I've heard my wife put this several times um, when, when it was like a, a light went on for her where we were at a business training and it was talking about um, um, doing uh, negotiations, you know, sales negotiations and how, you know, you've got to get, get so that you're not on the opposite side of the table from your client, get on the same side of the table with them so that you're on the team with them rather than on the other side of the table, trying to persuade them to come to your side get on the same side of the table with them. And she said it was like she could see in her mind, you know, a, a conference table where there was, um, she was on one side and, and I was on the other. And then, you know, instead of being on opposite sides with, and then on, on the other corner, you've got the savior trying to get us to go over to his side. And then on the, on the opposite end, you've got Satan trying to get us to go over to his side. And she said it was like she could see, that me and she and the Savior all got on one side of the table and Satan was on the other side. And then we had this unified front against him rather than trying to fight each other. Yeah. It was just such a great, great strength to all of us to be able to see that we're not fighting each other. We are on the same side. As much as there's that, that feeling of betrayal and and all those things that come along with it, we are on the same team. Yeah. At our heart of hearts, we are on the same team. We want to be fully on the Savior's side and doing His will and just just do whatever we need to to be fighting on His team and, and recognize that the one that's trying to mess it up is Satan. It's not, you know, it's not one or the other. It's Satan's trying to break up the family in any way you can. Oh, for sure. Yeah. One of the, another turning point I had that really enlightened us with the, uh, the addiction that we were facing with our middle son. Um, Cause we, I mentioned we kind of got to walk from the beginning to the glorious end of, you know what, you're in a place of recovery and now go be the man. Do you know what I mean? Kind of a thing. But uh, it was his, um, him finding a program where that's where he learned to put his shame and to, to not think, I am a pathetic loser. I am, I can portray myself as the straight A student and the Mr. Handsome guy that you know, super social and all the girls think I'm cute and, you know, that kind of thing. And, and I'm so good that moms are calling my mom and asking her if my son 
if her son could take my daughter to the dance because he's such a safe boy and uh, so good. And then for me and for him to be thinking, oh, we are so aware of the bondage that we're facing here. And you are that man. And you are amazing. You're noble and good and great and meant to do amazing things. And it's, why can't we, you know, can you, how can you be so capable here, yet so struggling so much here? And it was really so interesting for me to, to watch, but it wasn't until he got in a program where he, uh, he went to his first, it was the first time he'd been to a group meeting. That was huge. Um, I have a testimony of get support, get out of isolation, um, whether you're a mother, a wife, a husband, a son, a daughter, it doesn't matter. Just you have to find somewhere where you can feel like you're not isolated. Yes. And now, thankfully, there are lots of free options for that. And that's, uh, but my, my son, when he came home from uh, his second group, um, he walked in our back entryway and yelled. And he wasn't a yeller. He just was Mr. I'm a calm guy, and I'm super sweet and nice, and I, I love you, Mom. And uh, so when he yelled my name, Mom, I thought, he's going to tell me that was the stupidest thing he's ever done, and he's never going back to that again. And that was so embarrassing, and, and those guys there are weird. You know, I, just, I thought, that's what he's going to say. Well, they are kind of weird, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, yeah. <laughs> so he came back and he said, I, I went to the entryway, you know, expecting the worst, and then noticed he is completely emotional, uh, shaking emotional. Never seen my son like that ever. He's 16 years old, and um, we've tried lots of things. We've gone to individual counseling. We've tried 12-step program with mom. Let's do it together. We've tried, um, let's read this book. He did deliver me from bondage and do all the work in that. Uh, let's, let's make sure we're going to our bishop all the time. You know, just whatever we can do. But when he went to that group and he came home and realized those boys are just like me. They're clean, good. They, they want to be good. And they, they're cool. They're capable. And they are scary like me. It was the first time he ever even got the word, I'm a scary guy. And it was him. He was so emotional and kept giving me, you know, a hand. Like, give me a minute, Mom. I can't look at you yet because I'm too emotional right now. Finally, he, he gave it up, and with great emotion, and for us, he had never seen, he had his hands on my shoulders, and with every word, he moved me with his hands on my shoulders. He said, Mom, I am not a pathetic loser. I am not 
the enemy. I am not my own worst enemy. And then he said, I have an enemy. And he is scared of me because I am so awesome. And he's trying to take me out because I'm awesome. And it was this moment for my son that gave him somewhere, something to fight instead of himself. It was, I am not fighting me anymore. I am a noble son of the living God. It's pretty much what he was saying. That's who I am. That's my identity. I am not, I'm not this addiction. I'm not all the mistakes. And that's not who I am. And then this is who I am. This is why he's afraid of me. And so that was a real turning point for him to, uh, to just feel like I, I know where I need to focus all this shame and all this um, feelings that I'm having that, that are, I'm not good enough and I'm not that guy even though I can act awesome over here. I'm really a mess in here. But it was also a turning point for me as a supporter because it was the first time that I even literally like, it was like a spiritual awakening, I guess, to me. Uh, you are at war. And this boy is, yeah, he is who you think he is, Karen. And he's going to get there. Gosh. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm a firm believer that if people who are in this fight don't have a healthy respect for the adversary, they literally, it slows them down. They have to get, I have to understand that whether you're the person supporting or the person who is, uh, fighting and trying to get to recovery, it is this knowledge of I have a healthy respect for the adversary and I get why he's after me and fight your very hardest to stay connected with your divine identity. But that's who he's trying to take out. One time my son and I had a conversation here on our front porch and he was emotional in a different way than he was that day. And it was, Mom, why is this happening to me? Why, why can't I figure this out after his mission had been pushed back for the second time? What is the deal? How come, you know, what's it going to take? How long? I do, you know. And anyway, I just had this moment of clarity maybe I'm thinking sharing this might help uh, any anyone who's struggling in addiction or who's supporting someone like that and I just had this moment of clarity as I watched him cry and feel like ah, it is so hard to stay in the fight you know I'm I'm at that place again where I just am thinking, is it really worth it? You know, maybe I am just that guy. I just need to give up and just 
not try so hard because I can't get there. And uh, he, uh, I said to him, I said, you know, I've pondered a lot about the pre-existence since we've been studying more about having a healthy respect for the adversary and that he's who we're really fighting here, that we're not fighting each other and you're not fighting yourself. Um, I said, I, I've pondered a lot about, about that because I've been asking God about my role because by then I'd started this support group for mothers and I scared me right to death to do something like that because it was way out of my comfort zone to, to say, hey, I have something to say. Because Satan was saying, you're stupid. You have nothing to say, you know. And uh, But to just have the courage to open this door of I'm opening a door where now women can come who are dealing with what I've dealt with and here and feel the support of other mothers and we can strengthen and help each other. But I told him, I said, I've thought a lot about, because by then I had, my son had taught me, because I'd watched him, all the tools that he did to try to get to a place of recovery. He had taught me that in order to really access the atonement for him, and it's also true for me. And because I'm not everybody else, I don't know if it's true for everybody, but he had to make his relationship with Christ a tangible, literal thing. So um, I'm showing Jimmy this. It's a little fist. It's a ceramic fist that I found at a thrift store. And it's because he, he started fist bumping God, my son. So he would start, he'd fist bump God, and um, he started creating this, me and Christ, we hang out. We hang out, and we chit and chat, and we talk about all things, and I check in with him, and, and I have these sentinels, these warriors. This is how muscular they are, this is what color their hair is, this is what kind of shoes they wear, and these are their names. Some of them have hair on their chest and some of them don't. Like he just really had gone to the details. And those four guys, they protect, they protect things. So when I leave my bedroom and I leave the bathroom, before I leave, I leave them there to guard those places because that's where I lose battles the most. And when I come home, I check in with them. And I say, how's it going, guys? How are we doing? No, and it's a way for me to check in with myself. So, he, And when I go to a dance where there's going to be girls, where I, when I know I'm going to be triggered, I bring those guys with me, and I tell them where to stand. And so he made this real reality thing. So to me, on the porch with him crying that morning, after seeing him, Uh, fight so hard and do so many cool things and you know I just cried like I am now and because I really the answer was I don't know I don't know why you have to be here again and why you after all these years of trying this hard and 
all the things that you've done, then you're still figuring it out. But I did say, I said, have you ever considered, because I've considered this, because I'm, he taught me to say declarations, because he would declare that he was a son of God, and uh, who he was. And so I started saying a declaration, and it was, I am Karen Broadhead. I am a fearless warrior for Jesus Christ. I stand strong for truth and freedom. And um, I said to him, when I made up that declaration, I did it in my letters to God. And I, and I, I had this thought, I wonder if in the war in heaven, because I said, imagine how intense that was. Because look at the veracity and the tenacity of the adversary just in our lives right now. Look how hard he works at this. I said, imagine, what must that have been like in heaven when we all were defending the Savior and his cause and people were choosing sides? And I said, just think of the politics of our day, how hard people try to say, get over here on this side. Hey, vote over here, you know? And I said, imagine the spiritual war that was. It was a war that we fought with the words of our testimonies. And then I said, and I said, because I have started learning from you and seeing some of the things you've done and you've taught me to say declarations, I think that Sometimes I wonder if who I was in the pre-existence. Who was I in that war? I asked him, I said, could it be that you are here again having this struggle and it's this big uh, because God wants you to get that uh, you can't do life without me. You can't, you can't do it without me. You need me. And um, when, and because you are so capable, you are so cool, and you could do amazing things without me. But I said, what if you were that man in heaven? What if you were that guy in heaven who stood in defense of all hundreds, thousands of brothers and sisters and wouldn't let the enemy buy to go and convince them again to come to their side? What if you were the guy who stood in, in the circle around the Savior and said, we'll defend him till the bitter end? What if you were that guy? And I said, maybe that's why. Maybe that's why you, you're just really being worked on. Yeah, anyway. Satan's so, just ticked off at him, that's all. So, I do I do have a testimony because I've met enough men and enough women that yeah it's the best of the best that are yeah I I'd be inclined to to agree with you it's incredible the many uh, meetings I've gone to support groups 12 steps that I look around the room or around the table and all the guys, they have the scriptures just filled in their minds. They have, you know, at the tip of their tongues, they, they've got your back. They love their families. Uh, 
yeah i i i hear you and i'm i'm so sad that we are way out of time (laughs) oh i could could just keep going with this i love listening to uh this this experience and this wisdom and feeling of your spirit you truly are an inspiring uh mother who knows and i am so honored to have you uh share this time with me and and hope and pray that you know the things we've shared here will strengthen and help somebody else in, in their journey as well me too. So, so we do need to end i'll give you the last word before we go oh are you sure you want to do that <laughs> Absolutely. (laughs) Oh, you know what? I guess the last word for me would be just just to praise and give all, just give all the glory to, uh, to our Savior and just say that I believe Him. And I am so proud to to stand with him and to stand with people who uh, get more than anybody else on the planet what what his atonement is all about. And uh, so that's my final word is he lives, he's real. And his promises are real. It doesn't matter what role you're in, because that his work and his glory is really to save us and to bring us home. And so he can do it. And even though we're that weak and that broken, he can do it. Wow. Thank you, Karen. Thank yeah. you so much. You're welcome. Thank you, Jimmy. I I love your spirit. I'm so thankful for what you're doing and for who you are. Thank you. Hi, this is Jimmy Correa. I'm the host of Conversations Between Addicts. Thank you so much for joining us, and I hope that you'll visit us at our website, www.jimmyandshelly.com. It's J-I-M-M-Y-A-N-D. S-H-E-L-L-Y, where you can find out more about me or my wife, Shelly, and here are some of the things that we enjoy doing. Most of all, I hope that you will share this podcast with someone else. My experience has been that every family is hit with some kind of addiction, depression, some kind of a big challenge like that, and it really takes having an open, honest conversation to strengthen and build relationships. I know that that's been a huge blessing in my life, and I hope that you will reach out and start those conversations with someone else, because it's hard to start sometimes. Most of all, I hope that you remember that there are people out there that need to have those conversations with you. They need to hear honest, open, heartfelt feelings, and know that they're cared about. Really and truly, there are people depending on you. So go out and share. Go out and talk with them. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.